passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Do you think he was talking about the volume of like, like up or down or more like, should I talk lower like this? What? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. (laughs) What the hell is going on? Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone. I almost forgot my name, but I remembered it. Rebounded. Sticking to start. Joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein today. Gentlemen, welcome to On the Bench. Thank you for uh, joining me so bright and early on this dreary Thursday morning. Christopher, you look nice and chipper. How are you feeling so far today? It's going to be another busy one for you. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Zachary? I'm chilling. I'm excited for another busy day. <laughs> My man, Chris, was uh, on Tuesday. That was a marathon. And uh, what would you say, about 14 hours straight for you? I was working for about 12 hours straight, and I was burned out. But you were uh, you had about an hour or two in between where it got even a little bit crazier for you. No, it was 12. It was basically 8 to 8, but it was pretty much constant. What was the craziest part about Tuesday? Was it was it the Mark 3, Gregorian? 319 p.m. when Mark Gregorian emailed his resignation to media members, but the university had no clue what the hell was happening. That was probably it. Zach, how do you pronounce the coach's last name? Gregorian. Zach thought it was Gregorian for the last three years. Do you, do you know who was on that email list, Zachary? I heard a special someone on this podcast was. that was It was kind of unexpected, though. I mean, Chris was on the email list, but you know who else was? Mm. I don't. Who was? It, was? it was me. He got my personal email address, and he's like, you know what? I've never had – Brendan Sinone has never covered this – Oh, God, the lights are flickering. Storm's about to go go through Tallahassee. Bredesen has never covered women's soccer, but there's something I see in him where I know if I get this news out there, he'll he'll help get my message out. And then I was at Whataburger, and I didn't see it <laughs> for an hour. So anyways, we have a lot to get through today, including uh, the abrupt departure of the top soccer coach in the country, uh, another departure on the football team. There's been additions, basketball programs. Uh, there's a lot to get through here. I'm going to try to be as fast as possible despite this slow start. Let's start off, though, with some big crystal ball news. And, Zach, you dropped a big old crystal ball yesterday. No, two days ago. I'm sorry. Days are blurring together. Two days ago, dropped a big old crystal ball for a blue chip prospect. Tell us uh, tell us what's going on there. Yeah, so dropped a crystal ball for Florida State to eventually land five-star defensive back out of IMG Academy, Desmond Ricks. He's a class of 2024 prospect. Sits at six foot one, 170 or 170 pounds. Um, yeah. So on Tuesday, I dropped that crystal ball. 
we kind of got word that uh, things were looking good in FSU's favor for him earlier on um, over the weekend. And, you know, things started to kind of leak out a little bit. So I decided to, to go in on a crystal ball. Um, based on what I was told over the weekend, I expect something to happen soon. Uh, you know, not going to give out like exact timelines because I don't want to ruin the moment for the kid if, if you know, the plan is, is still going through. Um, but yeah, FSU is definitely uh, number one right now based on what I was told. And I think, uh, I mean, it's just crazy. I, I don't know. Like, we're repeating last cycle all over again. Um, Chris, but, help us out. How do, because I had this, Zach just indicated this. I had Travis Hunter flashbacks when, when Zach told me about this possibly happening a, a few days ago. Um, what? How should fans be processing this news? Should they be enjoying the potential commitment of a five-star cornerback or should they just be petrified? Get over it. You sometimes dump a girlfriend and then you find a new love. Here we are. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> that was boring. Hey. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's like OU fans still crying about Lincoln Riley. Like, get over it. Move on. Here we are. My man. Um, Rick spent about 24 to 30 hours in Tallahassee in March uh, with a bunch of family members. He's originally from Virginia. He's at IMG Academy. The family has moved to Florida from what I understand. Um, he said distance did not matter when I spoke to him during the exit interview. One question mark with him is the possibility of a reclassification. I asked him directly about that during the visit to FSU. At this point, it's not there. Um, it's not completely rolled out from the way he spoke about it, but it's not something that's happened either. So just worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, it becomes significant because that speeds up, obviously, the timeline of how long you have to hold on to him, right? Uh, that, that makes right. it just... Yeah, five, six months, whatever the math is there, versus a year and a half. So that, FSU has a I mean. real chance of putting together a pretty insanely good group of defensive backs in that 2024 class as it stands right now. Ricks is obviously one of them. Uh, Tavoy Fegan's another one who they had on campus here recently. Also, the DB that they had in this past weekend's another guy. I think they've Charles got a real Lester. shot at. Yeah, Charles yeah. Lesser. Thank you. Yeah, and another thing to note on Ricks, he'll be back for the spring game. So getting him back on campus is huge, regardless of whether he's committing anytime soon or not. Um, but, I, but I do like where FSU stands based on uh, info from multiple sources over this past week. Sticking on the recruiting trail, and we'll do more, I think, preview stuff for the spring game next week uh, when it comes to recruiting and kind of uh, Zach and, and Chris and Josh kind of tally up who is – uh, going to be on campus. We'll we'll break that down a little bit more, but, but Ricks would obviously be the big name there. Uh, but let's stick out with recruiting for something that happened last week. We talked about on the podcast, Josh and I did, uh, kind of during our instant reaction to the scrimmage, but I haven't talked to either of you about this yet. FSU landed a quarterback commit in the class of 2024 uh, from South Georgia. That is Luke Cromahawk. He is, well, he's been on campus a couple times. I, I, I'll stop rambling about it because I know I liked him when we, Chris and I saw him. Last year, Chris, what were your thoughts on your first impression when you saw him a year ago and just as he's been on campus and you've gotten to to further uh, speak to the young man? If I recall correctly, he threw at the mega camp. He threw for Mike Norvell as well as Kenny Dillingham and others. Uh, the offer was directly from Mike Norvell after that throwing session on the field there at mega camp. So you got sampled good. You saw what you were looking at. I presume they had watched what limited film was available beforehand of him. 
to uh, kind of have an idea of what they expected walking through the door that day. They like him. They want him. He, he's a good passer. The biggest thing with him is we just need to see him play more games. He he was a backup to a kid who's going to the SEC next year at the position. Obviously, being the younger guy on the roster, sometimes you got to wait your turn. Doesn't mean you're bad. Just means you got to wait your turn. So I want to see what he does over the span of six, eight, 10, 12 games of game film on Friday nights and go from there. But he, I've seen him throw in person. I think he's plenty talented. I think the arm strength is good. The ability to throw to different parts of the field is certainly there. He's a kid that's pretty sharp when you talk to him. Strikes me as someone that would process things fairly well. Just from a mental standpoint, hopefully that does translate to the field. It's a 2024 kid. You're taking them with the caveat of we're going to see where this goes, and that usually works both ways. Any thoughts on that, Zach, on, on the addition the take uh, so far? Yeah, the only knock for me on this take is the fact that he hasn't really had that much starting experience at the high school level due to being behind um, Auburn quarterback signee Holden Garnier. Garnier. Yeah, however you pronounce it. Uh, these past couple seasons at, at his high school – so I want to see how he, you know, blossoms, how he how he flourishes in, you know, where the offense is completely his. So that'll be interesting to see this fall kind of where he takes the next step as a quarterback. But um, based on how he threw over the summer, last summer, uh, you know, I thought I thought he looked pretty good. So um, I guess we'll see uh, this fall how he does with the full command of the offense at his high school. Yeah, and he works with Denny Thompson, quarterback guy over in Jacksonville, six points, I believe is the name of his quarterback uh, camp slash training center. Um, and FSU is familiar with Denny. They've talked to him plenty. I know him and Kenny Dillingham spoke plenty. Saw Denny when FSU was camping over in Jacksonville last preseason. I believe he's also been over here some. So they've had communication with, obviously, the young man, his high school coaches, but they also had that avenue where they can gather information. I don't – I don't think it's a take where they just took it blindly. I think it's a kid that they felt plenty confident in taking when they offered, and that's why they went about the offer. So here we are. I also think that's a class where, presuming 23 is only a one-quarterback class, I think that's a class where you almost certainly will see them probably push to take two. Also a really good athlete because they had the quarterback situation figured out uh, at his at his prep school, and it's in the 4A level in Georgia in Savannah. Uh, he played safety and wide receiver as well. He had 500 receiving yards last year. And then as a DB, he had 61 tackles, five tackles for loss, five pass deflections as a sophomore. So, yeah, there's there's something something there to mold. Raw, as we've talked about, but there's something to build on and you get the next couple of years to continue to evaluate and, and see what you have there. Let's move on to some departures. Uh, do we want to get into Let's get into Mark Krikorian and just, Chris, if you can set the scene on how that all unfolded for you, because I find that to be particularly fascinating. It's not just your normal resignation. Well, Tuesday was pro day, so I'm trying to wrap that up. It's around three o'clock. We got football practice at four. I know the Brooke Wyckoff announcement's also coming somewhere in that window of three to 4 p.m. I expected to be at four, ended up being closer to 3.30. So, you know, I'm trying to grab a quick bite to eat before I go out to practice. And I checked my email at 319. I have an email from Mark Krikorian. Now, in my entire existence and 17 years of knowing Mark Krikorian during his time at FSU, I think I got two emails ever from him. One was thanking me and other media members for covering something. And the other one was clarification on a story I was writing a few years ago about somebody over at soccer, I think, heading into the postseason run. So it's not like the man emailed people regularly. But, um, 
you know, the email was the statement that you've now seen. If you've kept up with that story of his resignation, I called two people directly at FSU, one directly tied to the soccer program, no one directly over sports information. Neither of them knew what I was talking about when they initially picked up the phone pertaining to that statement. I did quickly get clarification from one of them as they got clarification from the soccer side that, yes, it was indeed true. So running that story like 323, 324, four or five minutes after I got the initial email. But it was just sort of like we knew he was in contract negotiations, uh, came to learn he was on a month to month after December. So that was going on. But the expectation has always been that he would end up still being here, probably be the highest paid soccer coach in college soccer. He was certainly in that category at the time of his last contract. His staff was also handsomely rewarded for their work. It stinks that FSU's lost Mark Kerkorian. I don't know the exact reason why. Obviously, there's plenty to speculate. I think his statement, people he thanked and those he did not mention, I think there is something to that to a degree. I don't believe this was a money matter necessarily, especially not a contractual money matter. Uh, I, I'm very interested if Kerkorian had reached a point where he simply wanted to do something else or if there were headaches pertaining to the job he was doing here that he didn't like anymore. I think there's some of both of those elements in play just based on things I know about it, but I would love to hear it directly from Kerkorian to this point in time. He's decided not really to speak any further on the situation outside of saying, no, he did not retire, and no, he has not taken another job already. But he does have offers. There were, there were schools, colleges pursuing him. He also has had national and international opportunities here over the years that he's decided against taking while staying at FSU. FSU's not going to replace him with somebody equal. I don't really think there is anybody out there equal to Mark Krikorian personally. Uh, he ran a professional organization at a very high level that was super efficient and highly effective on the field, and that's why he won three national championships here and had him in position to win others. They can go maybe hire someone like Eric at TCU who worked for him or the head coach at Penn State who worked for him. I think that would help kind of carry it on in the same image. We'll see if that's the way they go. I think those are people they're going to contact and talk. Maybe it's an assistant who's currently here. I know they've talked to them about trying to work on retaining the team they have. If they can get this done quickly, effectively, and the new coach can win over the roster that they currently have, they're handed a group that's extremely talented that can compete at the highest level next year. So it's not like this program can fall off, but we all know the transfer portal exists. And if things do fall apart, it can fall apart quick. I hope that's not what happens. Because that program's been outstanding for the 17 years with Kokorian, but it also was good prior to Kokorian, not to his level. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to diminish what he did in 17 years. The hope is that what he has created here can be sustained to some level close to what he was able to achieve. Three national titles since 2014. Like Chris said, there were contract negotiations going on and, and we haven't gotten clear, like definitive, like why exactly he left uh, other than the reasons Chris mentioned in terms of uh, not being retired, not having another opportunity lined up, but certainly strange the way it all unfolded at the very end there. Um, yeah. And, one footnote, FSU took about two hours to actually respond with a release and quotes from the president and the BPAD pertaining to the subject. So I think that points to, again, they were caught off guard by the decision that was made. Yeah, certainly not traditional. That's not normally how we see those kind of how a resignation go. Uh, one other departure to get into, switching gears a little bit here, Corey Wren, former three-star running back, speedster, was on the track team this past year. 
enters the transfer portal uh, after FSU's scrimmage this past weekend. So I think from what I can gather, and if anyone wants to jump in and add to this, but from what I can gather, it, it seemed like one, Corey was having a good spring. I thought he looked like he was in better shape. Not that he was in bad shape before, but you could tell he was adding up some bulk, conditioned to being fast, catching the ball a little bit better, still not supernatural for him, but progressing in that regard, running more physically, showing a little bit more balance as a as a player beyond just speed. So I thought there was something there. But from what I gathered talking to, to one source, uh, basically that – writing was on the wall in, in regards to like how he was going to be used this year. I think looking at the pecking order of the running back room, there was certainly a role for Corey Wren, but it wasn't open to being a feature role based on how the spring was unfolding. I think Treshawn Ward, Lawrence Toe Philly, Trey Benson, and then the emergence of CJ Campbell all kind of spelled. There's not a ton of reps to be had for Corey Wren outside of maybe special teams, kickoff return, and then some gadgety usage. Uh, Plus, Rodney Hill looks like he's going to be solid, and you got DJ Williams as well. So I think the young man goes ahead and makes a decision to to go ahead, explore options now, sooner rather than later, while he still has several years of eligibility remaining and not to let the process continue to linger. He would have helped out FSU this year, in my opinion. But uh, I think you're talking about probably the, the fourth or fifth guy on the depth chart, uh, more or less, for, for FSU at the skill spot. So anything to add there, fellas? I think it's a good old fashioned business decision on the part of the young man. I think he he could have hung around and tried to compete further and see if he could have moved up. I think he had a clear understanding of kind of where he stood and made the decision that there's probably a place elsewhere where he has a better opportunity to contribute at a greater level. So good luck to him. It stinks. Concussions kind of, you know, ruined last year for him. And that that's never good when it kind of puts you behind the eight ball of not being able to establish yourself when an opportunity presented itself last year. Let's talk about some additions. Now we talked about departures. Let's go into additions and, and people kind of settling into the program, entering the, the FSU athletic program. Let's start off with, with Brooke Wyckoff, Chris, uh, that was happening. Like you said, at, at the same time as uh, coach Corian departing. So, so Brooke announced as the uh, official heir uh, to uh, Sue Semerau for the women's basketball program. I, I was going to say heir apparent, but she's not, it's not a parent. It's, it's official now. So, when Sue retired, the expectation was it would be Brooke. That's one, that's what Sue wanted and definitely endorsed. But Sue wasn't essentially holding FSU to the fire on it. She just simply endorsed her. FSU, from what Sue said yesterday and speaking to us, she said that Michael Elford did do a national search. It landed on Wyckoff. Take that as you want to. I think it was always going to be Wyckoff. I didn't really you know, talk a whole lot about the search because I expected it to be Wyckoff from the minute that the job opened up. Brooke Wyckoff was officially announced by FSU on Tuesday, formally introduced on Wednesday. Um, She spoke about the need for the program to kind of have people that are two feet in and team committed. And, you know, if you follow my discussions on the message board and during the season with that team, that team had issues this year, plain and simple. And there's a reason that five, five of the girls have already entered the portal and are departing this program because they weren't a very good team in the idea of a team concept. They, they didn't play well for one another. They didn't play well on either end as a group of five on the floor a lot of times. And I, I think that was recognized. And I think Brooke did a very good job of kind of addressing that straight ahead. She talked a good bit about having to use the portal to reassemble a squad for next year. That's not all that unusual these days in women's basketball of a lot of portal movement for teams both in and out. FSU is just having to live that life. And I think Brooke knows what she's doing. She's recruited at a very high level for a long time. 
beyond what Brooke said on the podium yesterday, and you can see all of that on the site. That video is up from yesterday. She spoke to some of the collected media, including myself yesterday on the side, as did Sue Semerell. Um, Sue readily admitted that last year was very difficult for her, one, just coming back. I think Sue realized in her year away how much she missed dealing with family and having that ability. And obviously with her family being in Seattle, travel is always a difficult task. So I think there was a matter of she was kind of being pulled both ways, and she did not like that in the sense where she didn't feel like she could give all of herself to her players as she has in the past. And she said between the family stuff, COVID, uh, just other things going on within the program after her leave of absence, that she felt like she, uh, I forget the exact terminology she used, but essentially she let down the players by not being what she had been traditionally with her players at this program. So I think Sue very much stepped forward and moved on because she felt like she needed to. Like she understood, she said she didn't know what she didn't know when she took the leave of absence in the sense of what it would be like when she came back for that year. But after realizing it, she understood that maybe she wasn't the one who should correct it. At 60 years old, so devoted to the program for so long, it was her turn to kind of hand off the reins. I think she wholeheartedly believes Brooke Wyckoff can resolve those issues. And Brooke definitely, yesterday I felt like took them head on. And that was good to see. Um, now the key for them is go get people in the portal. And they're working hard at that. From what I understand, they've already had a couple in on campus. They're in contact with several others. I believe one of the assistant coaches was actually leaving yesterday's press conference to go see somebody pertaining to that. They're going to work hard at that. They have a bit of a nucleus with some of the freshmen that were here last year, a few of the returning veterans, a very, very talented high school signee that they'll be adding here soon. So that will be the nucleus. They'll build around that. If they can get a few pieces in the portal that help them, I don't think that program really skips a beat. I think Brooke having that interim year as head coach two years ago when Sue stepped away for a leave of absence, I think that helped her to kind of uh, speed up the process of becoming head coach. I don't, I think she learned a lot of lessons in that interim year and God, it was a weird year with COVID and cancellations and their schedule was ravaged that year. But I think she learned a lot of lessons of how to run it, how to deal with the office, how to deal with a team in the sense of being a head coach that will help her hit this process with hit the ground running with this process of now becoming a full-time head coach. Switching over to the men's hoops program in addition there, Zach, I'll let you talk about Jalen Ganey because Chris has talked too much. No, I'm just messing with you, Chris. You get to talk about your boy. Dude, I was, I was I, 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 no, I wasn't going to do that to Chris. I was just Zach's like, I didn't study for the test. <laughs> um, Jalen Ganey is a two-time Ivy League defensive player of the year from Brown University. So first and foremost, He's smart. Secondly, he likes defense. 30, 6'9", 220, and developed in a college program. All good things for FSU. FSU has had Quincy Ballard move on, and then yesterday, Ali Adin Boutieb, who was here, I feel like we never even got to know him, for all about three months, also entered the portal. So that's two seven-foot projects exiting stage left. They're adding a 6'9", 220 guy who can play defense, can rebound, will dunk it, get to the free throw line. That's what the guy brings to the table. I don't think he's a godsend in the sense of, oh, he's going to be the leading scorer special, you know, something like that. But I do think he makes them drastically better in an area where they were very weak this past year. If Malik Osborne opts to not take his super senior year, which right now I'm leaning towards the belief that he's not going to come back, Ganey is a guy who steps into some of the role that Osborne provided immediately. And I think it's a good thing. I think we're still going to see some more movement with the men's basketball team. You know, they're – one guy I think still kind of on transfer watch, even though at this point I'm leaning towards 
him staying. That's Jalen Worley. I think John Butler could test the NBA draft waters potentially from what I've heard. Um, oh, that would suck. Know. In my one game covering FSU basketball, I really like him and what he can do. Well, he's uniquely special, but I think it would be massively beneficial for him to have a second year to become a more consistent player. He needs to become a guy that does a better job of attacking the room, finishing at the rim, getting to the free throw free throw line, scoring at the free throw line. My issue is he scored in double digits nearly as much as he scored zero in games. Like that that's the ups and the downs of him. And that that's to be expected of a freshman. Um John's super talented. He can be really, really special. He's a seven footer who can shoot and handle the ball. Those are pretty unique. People call them unicorns for a reason. I just think making the jump now is leaving money on the table in the sense of do you get drafted versus can you play yourself into the first round next year? Um, There's, he's a lot. He's a lottery skill set with development like that. Right. But I don't think he's there yet. Right, he's very, very skinny. Um, yeah. Back to Ganey real quick. Uh, he led the league, Ivy League with 63 block shots last year, 2.2 per game. That was fifth most in program history there. He also had about seven boards per game. So, yeah, there's value in that. I, I think Ganey's a very, very good addition for FSU in the sense of a experienced, developed physically, smart basketball player who you can plug and play, and it's going to help you to be better at the rim in both protecting it and cleaning it up. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. So I want to play a game real quick, and then we'll get out of here. So we should be done with this within 30 minutes, which is like a on-the-bench record. Let's go position by position of the spring. FSU's had eight spring practices, so they're beyond the midway point. A couple more here, and we're almost in the spring game time, fellas. So uh, let's let's get into... Our estimation, our own opinions, real quick, kind of rapid fire. We'll stop and pause if we have to and break it down. But who our top performer has been at each position group this spring? Someone who stood out to us and is impressed consistency-wise. Let's start off with quarterback. I'll start. Jordan Travis has been the most consistent so far for me. Zach? I agree, Jordan Travis. Chris? Yeah, no doubt to me it's Jordan Travis. Okay. Running back. Hmm. Hmm. I don't want to go first. Chris? 
What what's the are we the best or the, the best, most the, impressive? The top performer. I mean, so you can categorize uh, it. I would we still need to... go Trayshawn Ward. Um, I feel like he's RB one. I feel like he's performed that way. I feel like he's elevated himself. I will say Trey Benson has impressed the living hell out of me. He's been really good. I heard he had a very good scrimmage. Um, for a guy coming off a major injury who they're trying to uh, hold back a little bit in the spring, just not to overuse. Uh, he consistently grabs my attention. That was what I was paused on too. I couldn't decide between Trey Benson or Trayshawn Ward. I'm still not ready to make the call yet. Zachary, who do you have? I'm saying Trayshawn Ward. I think he's running back one. You could put him in on pretty much any down. I think Trey Benson's still kind of limited based on you know what, what Chris just said. They're kind of limiting him, making sure that he doesn't take too many reps this spring. Um, but I still like Trayshawn Ward as RB1. Yeah, I think completeness right now, what we know for sure, I think Trayshawn Ward is probably who I would lean to. Trey Benson's not far behind. You know who's third on that list? C.J. Campbell for me. I think I think he's been the third most impressive guy this spring. Wide receiver. This is a fun one. Uh, I will start off with, ah, they're kind of similar. I'm either between Ja'Kai Douglas or Micah Pittman. I think for consistency, for someone who's just kind of shown every single day, I think I'll go with Ja'Kai Douglas, but Pittman's really coming on. Uh, but I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Chicago Douglas. Chris? Uh, same two candidates for me. Douglas makes big plays every single day, so I'd lean towards him. But Micah Pittman's a guy who I think can actually be the more productive, consistent receiver for them in an offensive uh, game plan. Yeah, I noted this on the Tuesday practice. Micah Pittman just constantly creates separation between, you know, his different route or his entire route tree. And I think he's a pretty developed wideout. So I'm going to go with him. I think he has wide receiver one potential based on FSU's current roster. Yeah, and there's something about dudes that give all-out effort, and Micah Pittman consistently gives all-out effort. I know we've heard that he's like a – not a practice all-star because he's done some good things, impressive things in games, but just like Chris had heard that at Oregon, like that he would do some crazy things in practice, and that's translated over to Florida State. I have to hope that like the usage – is pretty good and consistent in the season. I assume it will be FSU needs someone like Micah Pittman to come in and, and be gadgety and line up at different spots and, and make plays, you know, from different positions on the field. Uh, but knock on wood, I think FSU hit on that one right there. Also right value there. in the return game. For sure. For sure. Uh, so let's go to tight end. Chris, I'll stick with you. Who's been the top tight end this spring. I know you want me to say Wyatt Rector just to pacify you, satisfy you. I mean, um, I just want you to say the truth of who you think I, it's been. Really, there's nobody at that position I've loved in the spring, okay. to be perfectly honest. I feel like Cam McDonald's MIA sometimes, and I'm not trying to be rude to Cam. Cam's fine, but I just feel like there's days where I don't really notice Cam out there. Um, and I don't know that's what they're doing as an offense. I, I don't know. It's weird. Jackson West is close for me, but he's dropped too many balls. So I, I guess why it has been – the guy who's been probably the most consistent at doing <laughs> asking that position. He's that, so that position's got to give us more. Jackson West has to catch it consistently because he can block. He, he's got a little uh, uh, fire and brimstone to the way he plays football, and I enjoy that. I mean, he's super physical to people. He finishes blocks. He's kind of a tone setter, and I want that in that offense at that position. But the drop balls is what keeps me from, you know, giving it to my dude. And, yes, I am the Jackson West fan club president. If, if- I said this to someone the other day. If you give Jackson West the ball five yards downfield and like ahead of steam, like that's a scary thing. If you just automatically like transport him and he's he's starting to move already, he he looks like 
he runs like Mike Alstott. I'm not saying he, but just, he's got that, like, he puts his, like, shoulders low and runs angry and just has that mean, like, piss and vinegar style to him that there's something there. It just needs to be massaged out a little bit, be more consistent. And he's, you know, this is year two for him, so still time to develop. Uh, Zach, who, who's your tight end one? I'm taking YY. <laughs> Make it a sweet, boys. Wyatt Rector, tight end one. No, seriously, though, Wyatt has been very solid this spring, uh, becoming a bigger threat and catching the ball downfield. There's something there. Uh, but, yeah, I think tight end still, just generally, like you have so many scholarships allocated to that position group, you want to see more from it, more consistency. I put Wyatt there because I think he's probably been the most consistent playmaker this spring. Uh, I would like to see Cam McDonald show up more. He's had a better last two days, so we'll see. But it isn't coming on Cam to, to kind of continue to be the guy and not let other players kind of vie for, for starting reps there. Offensive line, uh, let's see. Uh, Bless Harris has been a pleasant surprise to me, but I think it is someone who I've, I thought has just been pretty consistent. I think it's Robert Scott for me. I think he's probably been – his A game has probably been the best of anyone on the offensive line. Zach, I see you nodding in your head there. Yeah, I've been watching one-on-ones a lot between O-line, D-line, and Robert Scott consistently wins the most reps from the offensive line group uh, in that drill. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Robert Scott. Yeah, he's steady. I think he was called Steady Eddie, in fact, by Alex Atkins, and that's an apt description for Robert Scott. Uh, I will say Caden Lyles has moments where you see exactly why they took him. North, south, strong, wide body, big, physical. Bless Harris has been a pleasant surprise. I've heard he wears down a little bit in practices and in the scrimmage, so that's one concern there. I still think FSU would be beneficial, or it would be beneficial to FSU to add an offensive tackle in some form or fashion to allow Bless to potentially be their sixth swingman type guy. Moving on to defense, let's go with the edge positions. Um, looking over the Give roster, me Jared Verse, buddy, I'm here for it. Man, when he when he when he opens up and like plays in space, and you see that speed, uh, it's speed happened a couple and power. It's happened a couple times. Yeah, he's really he's really good against the run. Um, the, the thing that makes you a lot of money at that position is is either being cat quick, Brian Burns, shoot off the edge, you're going to wrench down the quarterback because you're that damn quick, or a speed and power combination. And Jared Verse has a speed and power combination. Jared Verse has moments where he completely flashes and you just go, man, he's got a boatload of talent. And the beautiful thing about him, you might have him for up to three years. Probably not going to, but you could. Two years would be a best case scenario in terms of his developmental track and that meaning that he did something to warrant getting drafted early too. Um, yeah. Zachary, who do you got there? Yeah, I'm going to go with Verse. Uh, yeah, because I thought we were going to do the entire D-line together, and I would have a different pick if it was the entire D-line. But Well, it's not. Just hold on. Yeah. Keep your pants on there. At the Jeez. edge position, definitely Jared Verse. Okay. I, I think – like I want to put some shine on Derek. McClendon has had some really nice moments. Uh, Dennis Briggs is working back from the injury. I think he'll be probably your most talented defensive end this year once he's 100%. Uh, Patrick Payton's shown well. And Dante Anderson, I think, has been a hit as like a walk-on. That's amazing value of what you got. And he's, he's far exceeded my expectations there. Uh, but in the context of winning reps consistently, showing the most upside, I, I think it's pretty clearly Jared Verse. Yeah, Zach? Byron Turner's had some moments where you yeah. see, like, man, that's good to see after last year where he was out for a majority of it due to injury. Aaron Hester had a good – Tuesday practice, good to see him coming on. I think they've hit like on every single one of their freshman defenders. I think every single one of those guys has a path to be an impactful player at some point or another in their career. All right, Zach, defensive line, defensive tackle specifically now. Feel free to to wax poetic however you felt on this. You're going with uh, Chamber Jackson? 
No, that's you, man. I'm going Malcolm Ray. Oh. Uh, I think Malcolm Ray's had the best spring out of the entire interior defensive line. I watched a lot of the one-on-ones and also, uh, you know, the 11 on drills. And I think he is just consistently winning reps against FSU's uh, guards. Um, I, I remember him beating Darius Washington twice on Tuesday. Um, he's been consistent and also just making plays uh, when they're in team drills as well. So, yeah, I'm going Malcolm Ray. I think he he takes a big step this year um, and, and provides a really, really talented piece that already talented interior defensive line at FSU. I will. I mean, to me, it's. I mean, Malcolm Ray has has had some really nice moments this spring. I think some of the younger guys, like Daniel Lyons, looks like he'll be really good in a couple of years. Uh, Bishop Thomas has the potential as well. I'm going to stick with like the proven commodity here. Fabian Lovett, man, like he's. He's he has these dominant stretches where he'll just take over a series and he just his presence it's felt so profoundly. I think Robert Cooper's also been really solid, especially like in the inside run drills and, and taking on run fits. Like he's been been as what you'd expect from Coop. But Fabian Lovett to me has some dominant upside and, and I think we've seen that at times this spring. Uh Chris. I was gonna go Cooper because when he gets reps, he capitalizes on them. The caveat to all of this is uh Coop and Lovett are not being used as much as some of the younger guys just because they know what they have in them and they want to get a guy like Lyons, Thomas, and even Malcolm Ray to some degree more reps. Uh, Ray also has been outstanding. Ray's a guy whose progression as a player in his time here has been one of the more joyful ones to watch in the sense of that's how it's supposed to go. You come in, you're a little skinny and long, suddenly you start bulking up. Oh, then you get the body right, you get the right composition, you still got good athleticism, and then you start going and wreck people. And he's done a really, really good job of that. And Love It, Love It's had some excellent moments. Love It when he's going full go is still as good as he can be. And, you know, he's one of those guys you know FSU is going to be able to count on. The front porch, once again, for FSU is going to be the tone setter for them as a defense. The good news is I think they're a little bit better behind them than they were last year. Let's move on to to the second level behind them. That's linebacker. I think this is pretty easy. Tatum Bethune looks yeah. to be an absolute hit in, in the portal for FSU. Yeah, and it makes all position better because it allows everybody to slide down a notch from what they are needed to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, now all of a sudden, instead of Caleb Deloach being your top linebacker, he's your number two. Amari Gaynor, you can kind of allow that versatility to kind of shine now. He didn't get pigeonholed to having to play you know, a weak side linebacker role. You can kind of move him around to the edge as a stand-up linebacker, wherever. Uh, it, it does open things up. I'm with you there, Chris. Zach? I agree. I think Tim Bethune adds a reliable piece to that, that linebacker room. Uh, Kalen Deloach is obviously, I think, a better athlete, but he's not always as consistent. Tatum Bethune's consistently making plays, always in the right, usually always in the right position. Um, I've liked what he's done this spring. One what freshman you- worth mentioning, Omar mm-hmm. Graham. He consistently yeah, makes plays. He's ascending. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, I, I liked him coming out of high school, but I was like, okay, is he going to be more of like a, you're going to put him on the edge and, and let him just kind of, you know, turn up the volume there and, and do that in his career? No, he, he can play linebacker. He's got range. He can play in space. Uh, he can, you know, he's willing to put his nose in there and, and traffic as a middle linebacker. Uh, that seems, again, like another hit for FSU. DJ Lundy has been really solid this spring, lighter, playing better in space. I feel much better about that position group now than I did going into the spring. Uh, let's go to safety now. I'm uh, looking up and down the – it's tough. Like, 
without getting into the weeds too much, like so, so they're limited with some guys of, of how much they're allowing them to do in the spring here. I, I think Shaheen Brown's been really solid, uh, but I don't know if anyone has like wowed me here. And I'm saying that I guess I'll be transparent. Like Jamie Robinson, they know what they have with him, so they don't want to. They don't want to. Uh, it's similar to Love It and Cooper, yeah. where the rep count is not as high as some of the younger guys because hey, we want to get younger guys more experience. Yeah, so I don't know if anyone there has like completely like grabbed my uh, piqued my interest, has grabbed my curiosity, but I do think uh, I do think Shine Brown's shown that like he he might be someone who you can start looking at as a rotational player as a sophomore. The uh, just Bent has felt more consistent. I would say that, especially in coverage, like he's he's yeah he's in the right place a lot. I think that's fair, Chris. Yeah, but I, I agree. There's wowing. nobody. There's nobody at safety. And we expect Robinson obviously to be one of two dudes at those spots. There's nobody else at safety that has gone and just kind of like wowed us. Like there's guys at corner. We'll get to that in a second. I don't want to fast forward. I know how I love to fast forward. Zach does um, too, apparently. But there's nobody at corner that I would put in that same parameter. Yes. All right. I, so I, I said, we, talk about corner. Well, did Zach say safety? What? Did huh? you did you say? Did, what? No, I. What's no, happening? I, I don't know what's going on. No. Um, oh my God! How's my volume? Is it loud enough? Snows in his fields. There's no one else at safety that's really impressed, like you guys have said. Um, yeah, it just I you know personally I wish they moved Sam McCall to safety. I think that's where he naturally fits. Um, and I think if if he was there, then he would be a a top performer for me. But besides that, you know, I like what Akeem Dent's done. We've seen him in coverage a lot, getting a couple PBUs and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, besides Jamie, I don't, I don't really know of anyone else. That's like a solid for sure starter there. For once it was Zach moving somebody to safety and not me. <laughs> He's skipping ahead. He's moving people to safety. I think we're seeing uh, Zach turning into Chris knee right before our eyes. It was bound to happen. All right. So I'm, I'm excited about cornerback here. I'm going. Renardo Green. I've loved it. Ooh. I love the move. I love what he does at the line of scrimmage. He's ultra competitive. He's handsy. He's athletic. He can flip and go. He can do it. It's really fun to watch. Duke Cooper, the king. He's been very consistent, very good. My guy is Green, just to be clear. Green is my number one. And then AZ Thomas deserves a mention. Most of it's been against twos and threes, but he's been really, really good. Uh, and Sam McCall is coming. I feel like AZ like really wowed us the first couple days because of how freaky athletic he was. And Sam felt like he was kind of figuring things out. But like the last week or so, I they're they're both really good. They're both going to be able to help out sooner rather than later. Uh, but I, so for my guy at the top of this list, it's going to be Duke Cooper. I don't know why Chris called him King. It's Duke. It's Amari and Cooper. It's King, the omnipotent one. He's been the most steady performer this spring to me in the defensive backfield just the length is there he's confident uh, he's not really ever out of position you can tell he's pretty instinctual if he does give up a completion he makes you work for it i like duke cooper uh, i think he's he's ready to build on what he did as a freshman I, i'm not i'm not bracing myself for a sophomore slump based on what we've seen so far this spring zachary what about you yeah i'm going to marion duke cooper as well mm-hmm. um i think he's had the most consistent spring at that position uh, doesn't really look out of place in coverage a lot, knows where he's going, knows what he's doing. 
think that's pretty valuable considering FSU's defensive back woes over the past few years. Um, and just what he did as freshman, I think that gives him confidence going into this year. Um, he had big plays and big games, Clemson, Miami to, to be specific. And I think he continues that on into this, this coming season. I got your back, Wolverine. I put up my hands like they had claws, but what was Wolverine made out of? It wasn't titanium. It was something like that. Nah, I don't know. My nerd, my nerdum is. You're a comic book guy. I am, but my nerdum is not yet awoken today. So it's not. Do you have a nerdy shirt on right now? Is it a comic book shirt? I don't think so. No, I don't. Okay. Not like anyone listening to this could see it anyway. So this is a pointless exercise that I'm making this embark on. Should I just end the podcast? I hope they can hear you. All right, for On the Bench, I've been Brendan Sinone, uh, joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein. We'll talk to you guys later next week. here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.